Awesome, awesome, awesome. How many people are ready for Christmas? Uh, ooh, that was kind of tepid. <laughs> oh, man. Christmas, you know, God gave us the greatest gift, and it ain't found under a tree. It was on a tree when he gave us his son, Jesus Christ. And uh, I'm going to recommend real quick a, a good Christmas present for somebody. It's the book called uh, More Than a Conqueror. <laughs> It is, uh, Jolene told me, she's back there, she's like, you gotta promote it a little bit or otherwise no one's gonna buy it. So this is my life story. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Mike Benson, as was mentioned earlier in service. I'm the team captain of the Conquerors. We're a group of athletes. We got every little boy's dream job. We get to break stuff for a living. And uh, we, we're evangelists. We travel all over the world preaching the gospel. And my life didn't start off uh, that good. I spent 11 years of my life in prison. I was addicted to drugs and alcohol, a career criminal, and then I met the lover of my soul who changed me from the inside out, brought me from death to life, and so now I get to go around and spread life everywhere that I go. And yeah. And so this is my life story. It's got all the juicy details of being in prison, and this book was written basically to obviously win somebody who doesn't know Jesus to the Lord, and, but it's also designed to encourage believers because I know a lot of people go through things. And so that's, that's in the back. And by the way, they're already signed. I signed them all already, so they're good to go. And um, about seven years ago, one of our trips was to the nation of Cambodia. And I went to this country, and it was a phenomenal, phenomenal trip. It's 96% Buddhist, and we had powerful moves of the Holy Spirit. People got saved. There was over 2,000 people who gave their hearts to Jesus. There was miracles. We had some blind eyes open, some deaf ears, and it was a phenomenal trip. And I came back, and I brought me a watch with me that I had bought when I was over there. And I was at a pastor's conference, leadership conference, and one of the pastors who's really into watches, he was eyeing my watch. He says, is that what I think it is? And I picked it up, it's not this one. And uh, I was looking at it and he says, is that a Bulgari? I said, hmm, you know. And uh, he said, how much did you pay for that? I said, oh, about 15. And he's like, what? but then I had to admit, $15. It was a knockoff. <laughs> you know, I mean, we're going through the, the Russian market down, downtown Phnom Penh. We're going through the Russian market. We see these watches, man, they are looking good. They look so good. I picked it up. It felt like a Bulgari. It had the brand on it, everything about that thing. I mean, you could pass that thing off as a Bulgari. And I was like, 15 bucks, run that. <laughs> And uh, so, but it wasn't about uh, three weeks later that the thing fell apart. <laughs> and, you know, knockoffs, they, they, they try to capitalize on a known name and a known brand, and they try to get the value out of it without actually having the value in it. Now, had I come home with that Bulgari watch, and if I would have maybe gifted it to a friend or somebody who doesn't know watches, and I was to tell them, this is a Bulgari. And these are, I mean, you look it up online, they're, they're, they're worth tens of thousands of dollars, some of them even in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. This is a 
quality watch. This is the real deal. And I gave them that fake one and they didn't know watches. That was the only experience they ever had with this certain brand of watch. And then it fell apart on them. Their outlook on that brand of watch would be drastically changed. Am I right? And then if they came across the real one, they say, oh yeah, well, I know about those watches. Those are cheap junk. People be like, what? <laughs> and unfortunately, there are a lot of Jesus knockoffs. That's what I want to speak about tonight. There's a lot of Jesus knockoffs. In 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3 and 4, this is the New King James Version. He says, this is Paul saying, but I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit, which you have not received, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. So Paul is, he's like, he's not concerned about the different gospels. He's, he's concerned about the church receiving it. He said, you may well put up with it. You know, I often tell people, uh, people all the time, that they're always like, uh, you know, all you preachers want is our money and stuff like that. And, and, and that's all fake anyway. And I say, well, give me your wallet. And they're like, what? So give me your wallet. You don't know. That, there's plenty of counterfeit money out there. So give me, give me your money. You don't want anything to do with the real deal because there's fakes out there, right? They're like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> See, all you want is my money. No. But a counterfeit, like in the watch situation, it could be a, a sinister or they're, 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 they know what they're doing. They're trying to get value out of a name. They're knocking or copying something. But then there's also, like, anybody here like uh, DC Cupcake? Anybody ever had a DC Cupcake? Okay. Well, we like to go to Washington, D.C. a lot. And when we go to Washington, D.C., we went to this DC Cupcake. I guess it's a famous thing. My wife watches a lot of cooking shows. And, I, and there was a line around the block, and it was in Georgetown. So we went there. And I had me one of these things and I was like, oh my gosh, this is a, this is cup crack. <laughs> this ain't no cupcake, man. This is cup crack. <laughs> and those things were phenomenal. And so they have a reputation for having some of the best cupcakes in the country and people from all over the world come. And I know that when they made it, they had a certain recipe, it's secret obviously, and a certain way of making it. Now, what if one day they decided to put most of the ingredients in, but keep a couple ingredients out? I bet you'd notice the difference in the taste. I bet you're like, oh, this DC cupcake, it doesn't, it doesn't taste the same as the ones I've, I've had others. And see, what happens is, a lot of time there's different gospels out there where they're, they're genuinely preaching about Jesus Christ, but they're leaving some of the ingredients out. Jesus came and died for us to have everything in the atonement. All the blessings. He wants to heal your body. He wants to set you free from bondage. He wants to give you the whole kit and the caboodle, not just a half of it or a little bit of it. So we're gonna look at Luke chapter four, verse 16 through 21. This is Jesus's purpose statement. This is Jesus's 
This is why he came. This is him speaking. This is not any of the other apostles or any other scripture writers. This is Jesus himself saying his reason for coming. It says, so he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue and on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now the Jewish people at that time, they knew, they were very familiar, they were anticipating the Messiah. And Jesus basically got up and said, I'm him. I am the Messiah, I'm the one. That didn't turn out too well. <laughs> you know, he, he, they would try to throw him off a hill and, and a lot of things. But Jesus basically has five foundational ingredients or foundation ministries of why he came. We're gonna look at all five of them real quick. The first one is salvation. Second Corinthians 6, 2 in an acceptable time, I have heard you. And in the day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And Jesus wasn't just saying, well, now, now you can accept me. He's saying, now I get to accept you. He's saying, what I'm about to do is gonna make it so that God, we, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, can accept you. And, uh, and he uses the word gospel and the word poor. The gospel means good news. And the poor, now he's not talking to, he's not talking to financially poor because if he was talking to financially poor, that would disqualify most of Western society, right? He's basically using two, there's two words in the Greek. There's panes, and two costs, just like it is today. There's two kinds, there's first world poverty and then there's third world poverty. And panes is the first world type of poverty. It's what they call the working poor. People who basically, they work and they get enough just to get by another day. Now let me tell you, let me paint a little perspective. Just, just let me paint a little perspective. And this is the reason for it. Pastor Dwayne mentioned it earlier in his message this morning about everybody in this country is rich. In the context of the United States, maybe not so, but in the context of two-thirds of the rest of the world, everybody's rich. And so, you know, take West Michigan, for example. This place, I mean, it would be almost impossible to starve in West Michigan. <laughs> I mean, you've got every, you got soup kitchens, you've got every kind of, you got government programs, you got every kind of, you got 350 churches in the greater Grand Rapids area. How many of y'all know no one's gonna die from starvation in Grand Rapids? <laughs> Amen? So he's not talking about financially poor. 
And he used the word, the other word he used was tukos. These were the poor who couldn't work. These are like, when we went to Cambodia, I tell you, I've been to a lot of third world countries in our travels, but Cambodia, that one, that was a shocker. I don't know if many of you know the history that, that they had a, basically a genocide from the Khmer Rouge and they wiped out all the infrastructure, all the people who knew anything, they wiped them all out. I mean, this country was, is, was devastated. And we went there and we went to minister in some of the slums. And, you know, they said, we're gonna go to some slums and they're trying to prepare us. And, and you know, we're kind of like, yeah, we've been there. You know, we've been down in Rio in the favelas and we, we've been in Costa Rica. We've seen some slums and stuff. And the guy looks at me, and says, no, you've never seen it like this. And we went in there and he wasn't kidding. It was, there was, tra- I mean, it was the worst smells, everything. It was really bad. And I'm just like, how can people even live in this? And we saw this mom and her kid and she had a little baby and she had another little girl and we were doing a little outreach thing there and the little girl was down syndrome and I was taking film and I was letting the other guys do the program and I'm taking this film and this little girl's beside me and she's tapping me and I'm just like, nope, nope, nope. I'm not gonna look down, don't do it. And it was, it was really emotional for me because, you know, have you ever been in a situation where it's so overwhelming and you're frustrated because you can't do anything about it? My, my personality, I like to do things. If there's something, I like, to, I like to take action. And it was so overwhelming, I couldn't do anything. And this little girl, and I kept looking down at her, and, and I was like, oh, no, don't do it, don't do it. And then I picked her up. And then I went and I heard the story of her mom. I was ready to give her all my money. I was, I was ready. I was ready to get all my money and give it to her. And they said, no, that wouldn't be good because other people would come in here and steal it. And they just gave us the, the whole situation. So we really, so we bought them some food and things like that. But the point is, is Jesus is talking about in those days they had lames and lepers and they would hang out in a corner and they'd cover themselves, keep themselves concealed. And they'd put a cup out there. And if somebody didn't put money in the cup, they died. If, if nobody provided for them, they would die because they can't provide for themselves. Well, Jesus is talking about spiritual poverty. He's, remember in the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. Jesus is basically saying that if I don't put grace in your cup, you ain't gonna make it. He came to save us because we can't save ourselves. We can't pay for one day's salvation. We got to rely on him. Without him, we're not going to make it. And the good news was, is that he was the way maker. He was here to provide salvation for all of humanity. That's good news. That's good news. I mean, if you're in the physical sense, if you're poor and somebody comes to your house and they say, we're going to pay your bills for the rest of the year until you get on your feet, that's good news, right? Um, And then so the second thing, the second thing is he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, inner healing. So he first came for salvation. Let me tell you, that is God's primary focus is salvation. Because a person who doesn't have salvation is bankrupt spiritually. 
It doesn't matter what economic status you're at. You could be on Wall Street, you could be a billionaire, you could be a nothing. But if you don't have salvation through Jesus Christ, you're spiritually bankrupt. What does it profit a man if he gains the world yet loses his own soul? So salvation is God's first and primary. That, that, that's Jesus. He said, I'm coming here to save humanity. The second thing, the second foundational ingredient or, or ministry of Jesus is inner healing. He said, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Broken and hearted. Hearted comes from the Greek word cardia, which where we get cardiac from. It's our physical blood pumper. There's two things that sustain life, the breath and the blood. If we don't have breath or blood, we don't have life. It's the same thing for a believer. If we don't have the breath of the Holy Spirit and the blood of Jesus, we don't have eternal life. And cardia is the heart, but the broken is centribo, which means like shattered, like totally broken. Like somebody takes it and violently slams it on the ground. And I don't know about you, but I've had my heart broken. I've been in that place where my heart is totally broken. Let me, let me, let me tell you, in case you're having any misconceptions, if you've had your heart broken, are you breathing right now? Then you probably had your heart broken. <laughs> And it's probably, it's either a self-inflicted wound or it's by other people that you've had your heart broken. The worst time when my heart was totally smashed in Trebo, it's like somebody took it and threw it on the ground and stomped all over it, it was totally gone, it was in 1997 when I was at the end of my rope, I was in jail in Lebanon, Indiana, and I was waiting to go to trial for robbing the gas station right across the street from the sheriff's department. Yeah, it's not the brightest. I wasn't the brightest bulb in the box. That's a good reason not to do drugs <laughs> right there. But I was in this cell. I had already done uh, five years for a bank robbery. I had gotten out, got right back into drugs and crime. I had left a path of destruction, broke my family's heart, everything. And then I was on the run and getting chased by the police. And here I am in this cell and my heart was broke. I, I was done. I was despondent of life. I've never felt that low ever in my life because there was no hope for a future there was no way I'd ever see freedom again, let alone enjoy the fellowship of a wife and, and have a family. All these dreams that I had, they were broken and shattered and it was over. And it was the first time in my life that I literally considered suicide, taking my own life. My heart was broken, it was gone. And there was no self-help book or nothing else that could deal with my broken heart. There was nothing. Man does not have a remedy for a broken heart. But it was at that time, the worst time in my life, that God spoke to me. Because I knew a lot about him, but I hadn't, I hadn't received him and I, had, I didn't know him. And I was under the impression that God would never wanna have anything to do with a guy like me. But boy, was I wrong. He showed up in the middle of my brokenness and he reached in and he grabbed my heart and he healed it and he lifted me up and he made me whole. Yeah. 
I've got good news for you tonight. If your heart is broken and you're in a place where you feel like there's nothing, it's useless, it's hopeless, there's no hope, there's no end. I got good news for you tonight. This is good news. Jesus came to heal your broken heart. The seed of your emotions. How many of y'all know Christmas time is a very heavy time for a lot of people? The holidays are a lot of heavy time for a lot of people. And this may be a broken heart. It could have happened years ago and it hadn't healed. It could have happened recently. But if your heart is broken, Jesus wants to heal it and he wants to do it right now. Because here's the great thing about our Savior Jesus. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Culture changes, trends change, nations change, but he never changes because he's eternal and his word is eternal. What he did then, he'll do now and he'll do tomorrow. He'll do it forever because Jesus is a healer. So if you have, if you're in a position right now, if you're in a place of brokenheartedness, Jesus wants to heal your heart. So I'd like you just to stand up right where you're at. I'm not gonna have you come up here, but if you have a, a broken heart, just stand up right where you're at. If your heart is broken. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Awesome. Now, now we get to be the church, okay? We get to be the church. All of you who are sitting down, you see people around you who are standing there. Would you go up to them and lay your hands on them, please? Surround them, and would you lay your hands on them? And we're gonna pray. And we're gonna pray and we're gonna let Jesus do what he does best. Father God, we thank you and we praise you for your never-ending love, for your grace, your mercy, your compassion for us. Jesus, heal these broken hearts. That's our prayer. Where there was pain, bring healing. With their sorrow, bring joy. Infuse them with the strength of the joy of the Lord. Where there was no hope, breathe hope into them, Father God. Let this be the greatest Christmas season they've ever experienced. Turn their darkness into light, Father God. We thank you for it. We bless you. It's all done in the name above every name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Woo, let's give the Lord a round of applause. Now, when my heart was healed, there was some residual things in there. And so that's why God, like Pastor Dwayne said this morning, which was awesome. I'm sitting there going, man, this is so good. He's setting me up so good. 
Jesus didn't come and pay the price and die on the cross so that we could be blessed and have stuff. That's part of the package, but that's not the primary reason. He did it because the Father God wants to restore fellowship with you and I. And how many of y'all know relationships, you have to maintain relationships. You know, if you got a friend or somebody, somebody you haven't talked to in a while, you kind of get distant, you kind of get separated like, you know what I mean? And Jesus, what gets Jesus, what, what makes God's heart leap for joy is when his kids pursue him with everything that they have. When they make him their number one priority, that, may, that gives him so much joy. And we will have such an experience with him of intimacy and joy and freedom and life that we could never imagine. But it is possible for us. You see, a knockoff looks good unless you examine it closely. If you examine it really closely and really check it out. And Jesus is saying, come examine me. I'll bring the goods. The third thing, the third ingredient or the third foundational ministry of Jesus is freedom. He wants to set the captives free. Jesus is not just our savior, he's our deliverer. How many of y'all know you can be a believer, you can be a Christian and still be in bondage? Deliverance is a, well, basically what people get the idea of, a lot of people, I know I did, this is from my personal experience anyway, I had this, this Animityville horror, <laughs> deliverance, belief about deliverance. I'm thinking heads turning, projectile vomiting, you know, the priest is in there doing battle and all this other stuff. I was like, man, I don't want nothing to do with that. <laughs> But there are spirits that are behind these bondages. Let me tell you if you let me tell you if you have a spirit. Now don't get freaked out, please. You know, don't take it to the extreme, you're full of demons or anything like that. But our mind, whatever we open our mind to, we give permission to. If a spirit can get influence in there, it's gonna get in, it's gonna be in there if it's got permission. But let me tell you. There is no devil in hell that can stand against the name of Jesus. Not a devil in hell can do anything about Jesus or a believer because the madman of Gadara was chock full of demons. He had a legion in him, which they say is like 2,000. A Roman legion had 2,000 soldiers and they couldn't stop that man from going to Jesus. And after that encounter with Jesus, he was clothed and in his right mind. And people were freaking out. They were like, you gotta get out of here. <laughs> but if you have a spirit that is influencing your life, it's a bondage that's attached to something that you cannot stop on your own. It's something that you keep doing, it's destructive or has the potential to destroy that's how sin is. It starts off really little and it says, oh, it's okay. And then it gets its hooks in you and then it, then, then it leads to destruction. If it's something that you've gone to God a thousand times over and said, man, there's, I can't, I can't, I'm not gonna do this anymore, God, I'm done. And then you compulsively keep doing it. There's a spirit behind that. 
and you can be delivered because Jesus came to set the captives free. He came to bring freedom, healing, deliverance, salvation. It's all part of the package. A lot of times, I mean, I was, I was doing some research and I saw that there's 350 churches in the Grand Rapids area. That's a lot of churches. How many of y'all know it? They're not all preaching the same gospel. Okay, and I'm not here to pick on anybody or I'm not, I'm not gonna get into doctrinal things or your background or anything like that. I'm just being honest with you. And if anybody is selling you a Jesus that doesn't line up with his mission statement, don't receive it. Say, uh-uh, that's not my Jesus. I don't know what Jesus you're talking about, homeboy, but that's not my Jesus. Because my Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he healed back then, he heals right now. If he delivered back then, he delivers right now. If he sets captives free back then, he just sets captives free right now. Let me tell you something about a spirit. It can't be counseled out. It's gotta be cast out. Matthew 8, 16 and 17. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick that it might be filled which, fulfilled which was spoken by the Isaiah the prophet saying, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Jesus cast out the demons with a word. Now, I got to confess, in my young walk as a believer and my call to ministry, uh, I took on some, some not-so-good habits. <laughs> I'd be praying for somebody, and man, I, I thought, man, I had to pray it up. You know, this person came, and they obviously had a spirit in them, and I was just on there, oh, devil and Jesus, I'm quoting half the Bible over them. Because, you know, I got to really stir up the anointing. We don't need to stir up the anointing. The anointing is in us and on us. It doesn't diminish. It's not like our feelings that go up and down. It is constantly there. It's constantly on. It's 24-7. I mean, we were in the Philippines, and I learned real quick, we do these evangelistic crusades, and then afterward, we pray for the sick. Because Jesus, everywhere he went, he preached, he delivered, and he healed the sick. Everywhere the disciples went, they preached, they delivered, and they healed the sick. And we'd be, oh, Lord, in Jesus' name. By, the end of, by, by about five days in that thing, we'd be like, be healed. Next, be, be set free. Because <laughs> it ain't us that's doing it in the first place. It's not the fervency of our prayer. And because a demon gets cast out or somebody gets healed, it doesn't validate who you are, it validates who he is. That's how you tell the difference between all the other religions. I mean, we've had, we, we've had some, some pretty uh, unusual encounters with some other uh, demonic influences. I remember one time we were in uh, Lima, Peru. We were doing a huge outdoor thing. It was like 8,000 people there. And, and I'm like, all right, let's pray for people who need uh, deliverance and healing. And the lines, I was like, oh man, <laughs> oh Lord, we need you. And we're there and there's this one guy out of all these crowds that I could see him. And he was looking at me like this. 
and he kept coming. And as he got closer to the front of the platform, the other pastors, they, 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 they could sense it in their spirit too. And they were looking up and they got up on a pole and they're, they were watching him. You know, they're kind of like the security guys here. Anybody takes, tries to take my lunch money at res, they're going to be in trouble. And, and this guy's coming up and he gets about three people back and he just stands there and he's like this. And I'm like, come on, Satan, you're gonna have to do better than that. I spent 11 years in prison, man. That's, gonna, that's not gonna cut it. He ain't gonna intimidate me with some guy standing there growling at me. And then I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me. He said, he doesn't wanna be delivered. He's a shaman. He's come here to spy you out. So I said, okay, I pointed to him, I said, you. And he looks at me, I said, come here. And he comes up and he's literally gnashing his teeth and he's growling at me. So I grab him by the ears and I say, I know who you are and why you're here. And you aren't welcome here. In Jesus' name, get out of here. And when I released that dude, he ran. I've never, I mean, man, if the Olympics could pick up a guy like that. He would definitely, he'd get the hurdles, the high jump. I mean, that dude was bing, 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 bing all over there. As a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the authority of Jesus Christ. You are one with Christ. Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father, far above all power, principality, and every name that can be named in heaven, on earth, and below the earth. You as a believer have the authority of Jesus Christ. Just like a police officer. If a police officer stands in the middle of an intersection and puts his hand out, everybody's stopping. Why? He's a man or a woman, just like any of us. But it's the badge and the uniform and that gun, the power. He's got all the authority of the government backing him up. When you stand against demonic attacks, you don't stand in your own strength, you stand in the strength of Jesus Christ. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, if you're here and you have a bondage, we ain't gonna, you don't have to name it or anything, it's nobody's business, but you have a bondage, something that you know in your heart is gonna destroy you if it hasn't already done a lot of damage in your life and you wanna be free of it, Jesus, here's some good news for you. Jesus came to set you free and he'll set you free tonight. So if you have a bondage or something that you need freedom from, just stand up right where you're at, please. Awesome, awesome, awesome. anybody else. Don't let this thing hold you in bondage one day longer. Don't do it. Don't let it. Don't let shame or guilt or pride or any of that stuff hold you back. That's right. That's right. Whom the Son made free is free indeed. And your freedom is coming tonight. Right now. You wouldn't be standing up if you didn't believe it. Everybody around them do the same thing. Let's, let's hover around them, lay your hands on them.
I'm gonna pray. But if you're there with a brother or sister and the Holy Spirit puts something in your heart, a word of encouragement, prophecy is encouragement. It's edification. It's to build people up. Or if God shows you something or has something, go ahead and release it. Okay? Father God, we thank you and praise you for the power of Jesus Christ. Thank you that Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit, the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of the Holy Spirit. Satan, all your demons, spirits of anger and lust and murder, spirits of idolatry, we bind you in the name above every name. Get out in Jesus' name. still praying over people if you still have words for people okay yeah speak life said he came to recovery of the blind physical healing God came to heal you holy spirit soul and body there's no disease from hell whether it's a natural occurrence of this cursed fallen earth there's no disease no plague or nothing that can stand against the blood and the stripes of Jesus Christ He bore our sicknesses 
And in 1 Peter 2.24, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we having died to sins might live for righteousness by whose stripes we were healed. So does not the Bible say he bore our sicknesses and he bore our sins, right? I know some, I know a lot of us, I had a lot of different theologies because I heard a lot of different gospels growing up that God doesn't heal today. He healed back then, but he won't heal you now and all that stuff. But the scripture says he bore our sicknesses, he bore sins. Remember the, in Luke chapter five, the crippled guy who got let in through the roof and, and Jesus looked at him and said, your sins be forgiven you. And, and the Pharisees started tripping out, who can forgive sins but God? And Jesus was like, he said in Luke 5, 23, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you or to say, rise up and walk? Just as easy as you got born again is, is how easy it is for Jesus to heal you. With the same amount of ease that he delivers you, sets you free, gives you eternal life, is the same amount of ease that he'll heal your body too. Hebrews 13, eight, Jesus Christ is eternally changeless, always the same yesterday, today, and forever. This is what Jesus said about himself. This is coming from him, the master himself. This is his why. And if anybody tries to tell you differently, don't get mad at them. Don't start an argument with them. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom and help you to introduce him to Jesus. Because, hey, how many of y'all know the Pharisees knew the word of God? (laughs) They tithed. They loved God. They believed in God, the real God, Jehovah, right? But they missed it when it came to Jesus. Not all of them. A lot of them came to him. Nicodemus came to him and said, man, what do we got to do? You know, there was a lot of them that, that saw the light. As a church, we can't be all this confrontation about what that camp believes and what this camp believes. Because let me tell you, when you're pointing your finger, you got a thumb pointing right back at you. Anybody in here perfect? Okay, just making sure we don't have to cast a lying devil out of you. Is there any church that's perfect? I always say the perfect church is an empty church, one with no people. (laughs) So Jesus will heal your body. In just a minute, we're gonna have an opportunity. I'm gonna pray if you have a physical healing you need, but the fifth foundational ministry of Jesus Christ. The fifth ingredient is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me. Jesus did not step into his ministry until he was anointed with the Holy Spirit. The apostles, there was 120 of them gathered on the day of Pentecost. They had already received the spirit of God in them. Jesus appeared to them in John He appeared to them in the room and he breathed on them and said, receive ye the Holy Spirit. He spent 40 days and 40 nights teaching and training them the things concerning the kingdom of God. Let me tell you, that that would qualify anybody for ministry. They got the spirit in them, they got the education, but he said, wait until you receive the gift from my Father in heaven. 
They couldn't go out and do any ministry until they got anointed, the Spirit on them. If you're a born again believer, you got the Holy Spirit in you. It's like a cup that's full to the rim. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is when the Spirit of God comes on you. It comes from a word baptizo, which is what they used to describe taking cloth and dipping in, in dye and changing the color. It's when the Spirit of God is all over in you and all over on you. Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Jesus is still baptizing people in the Holy Spirit. John 1, I did not know him but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Jesus, here's good news, more good news. Jesus wants you to have power. He wants you to have authority and power. The only thing that qualifies, the same way you got saved, by grace through faith, not just by faith, but by grace, God's grace. Remember the empty cup? If, if Jesus didn't put anything in that cup, you ain't gonna make it. Jesus poured out his favor, his grace, and by faith, you just simply extend your hand and receive it. Trust him and say, yep, I'll take it. It's for me, it's for today, it's for today. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. There are people in your family that will never experience the power of God because they will never step foot in this church or any other church. Jesus didn't die for us to go to heaven. He died so he could bring heaven to earth. And so you have power been anointed, baptized with the Holy Spirit, you got power. If you haven't, you can have power tonight. So as we close the service, if you need prayer for healing, if you have a physical something, physical if the doctors told you, whatever it is, or you want to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, and we don't have time to go through all of it, but if you study the scriptures, especially in the book of Acts and everywhere, when people were filled with the baptized with the Holy Spirit, they began to speak in tongues. I know that freaks a lot of people out. I remember when I was in prison watching on the TVs, I'd have the, I'd have the channel turned to TBN and I'd hear these guys on there and they'd be praying in tongues and I was like, oh, I don't know, man. <laughs> Ooh, that sounds kind of crazy to me. Tongues are an unknown language to our ears and to our understanding, but they're known to heaven. And it drives the devil nuts. We should want to do things that drives the devil nuts. How many of you know, I'd love to say I wake up every morning, I'm in this pristine, oh, peaceful prayer, everything. Where, no, it's not like that. How many of you know that? I've been driving down the road before, pulling half my hair out, going, ah. We all know you don't want to lean on any of your understanding in a moment like that, but you need power from heaven. And when you pray in the Holy Spirit, you build yourself up or edify yourself in the Holy Spirit. So as we close, 
You can be released right now to, to go and get your kids. It's about quarter to seven right now. But I'd like people to come on up here. The Bible says these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. And we have a prayer team here too. This is not just me because I'm an evangelist or a guest speaker. We have people who are here. They're in the trenches every day. We got pastors here. They'll pray for you too. So if you need physical healing, come forward right now.